Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I am joined by a pair of missed Ben Simmons free throws. What's up, Sarah and Gene? Uh, hey, Dave. Hey, Gene. Um, I have never been compared to uh, an Australian in a favorable light. Um, so uh, I'm just happy to uh, continue that trend. Uh, my name is Sarah Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Sarah Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. You call that a knife? <laughs> I've seen What's you up, played knifey spoony before. <laughs> uh, my name's Gene Zilak. You can find me uh, on Twitter at Producer Gene. And uh, speaking of lighting, I'm trying something a little different. So uh, hopefully there's a little less um, darkness in the home studio. I like so, it. And um, tonight, tonight we throw one more shrimp on the barbie because we have Jason Blevins with us from the Painted Lines uh, who's going to help us uh, preview uh, everything Sixers and NBA playoffs. What is up, Jason? Crikey. <laughs> Good day. What does that think if you say like razor blades in uh, in uh, Australian accent? It, it says like rise up blades now i got that wrong i'll figure it out before we move on but no idea it's it sounded like something that you wouldn't want to do at halloween though it's like all right say razor blades in australian accent nobody's coming to your house next year by the way have i told the uh oh, it's a say it's uh, raise up lights and if you say it in an australian accent it sounds like you're saying razor blades oh because that uh, that happens all the time when you're when you're calling a theater show in Australia. You got to be real. Sometimes when we start the show, I say, "Rise up, lights!" And you say, "What about the razor blades?" I don't know. All right, already <laughs> off off the rails. I love sharp. it. Yeah, Super this, early. We're sharp tonight. Uh, <laughs> like uh, rise up, I, blades. Have I told the uh, the Ben Simmons um, cocaine story on this? podcast before uh is that the white lines fever oh, white lines, okay white lines fever, yeah. it's a good one, one though. Uh, i don't need to tell it again i you know it's a it's a things Check mean different things and even though we all speak english we uh things mean different things in different countries well let's start Let's start with the Australian because I mean I'm sure by now you know the 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 Sixers have, you know won their first uh, first round game one matchup against the, the Wizards, um, and let's start with Ben Simmons because it feels like that's where all the polarization is is circling around, and um, you know we were talking a little bit before the show and, and it's. The entire city of Philadelphia is uh, is frustrated with Ben Simmons, and this win felt more like a loss. Is that the vibe everyone's getting? Well, I don't I'll, know. I'll, I don't listen to sports radio. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I I don't listen to sports radio either. But isn't that just Ben Simmons' thing? Like the the dude cannot buy a a break with this this fan base. People have been. Any little thing he does, it's, you know, he, he can't hit a three. He should stop talking about how he wants to be defensive player of the year. It's anything Simmons does is just he's, you know, chronically 
under-respected, I think, in the city and, and across the league. Here's what I'm so it's like the the people that I interact with, no one is saying that. When I listen to sports talk radio or you know, I I, uh, I read Philly.com or whatever, there's a big problem with Ben Simmons. He went 0 for 6 down the stretch with free throws. That's an issue. He's not shooting. That's an issue. Um, I don't know if you've heard the uh Doc Rivers, Mike Missinelli. Uh, soundbite uh, where they went at it about Ben Simmons shooting. And, you know, yes, I, and the, 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 I don't know, I guess the talking points are, yes, I am in love with his defense and his shot creation for other players and his passing abilities. I just want him to shoot more. And the defense is that, well, he creates shots for other players. And so it snowballs into this. The city is up in arms with, Ben Simmons, and we can't win a championship with Ben Simmons. Wow, this is this is this is news to me. I, I left that first game feeling very different, but I'll I'll throw it to uh, to Gene or Jason. Um, what are you guys hearing? What are you guys feeling? Well, I'll I'll say this: I had the experience of listening to most of the first three quarters of the game rather than watching them, um, and I watched the fourth quarter. Uh, I definitely sort of went away from the Sixers game this weekend feeling like that was a team that had had a week off, took a little time to get themselves going, but in the end, they did what they were supposed to do. Um, I didn't didn't come away feeling particularly disappointed in any of the players on the Sixers team. Um, If anything, my big takeaway was how impressed I was with Tobias Harris. Um, but this week has sort of generated this whole renewed um, conversation about Ben Simmons. And I always sort of lean on the fact that, like, if Ben Simmons was suddenly a knockdown jump shooter, if suddenly he could hit two three-pointers a game and average 20 points a game, he would suddenly become, for all intents and purposes – the greatest player in the history of basketball that it's one of those things where I feel like these people that put this forward are trying to say like, Ben, all you have to do is shoot and you can be the greatest player that has ever existed in the world and are not willing to sort of understand that like, it's possible that he's going to be a really great player that might have some flaws or perceived flaws in his game. And anyone who is a Sixers fan or or really anybody who's trying to generate this conversation about the Sixers, there's not a lot of juice in this Washington Sixers matchup. There's not a lot of – there's not like a deep, deep-heated rivalry. It's not like those guys – like Westbrook is not a guy that a lot of people hate. Um, so I feel like that's sort of where this conversation is sort of bubbling up from. If you're trying to generate views, clicks, chatter, you've got to – You've got to hit it where people are going to are going to argue with you. And there is definitively a side that is Ben Simmons is he if he doesn't hit a basket, doesn't score a point, is still very valuable to your team. And there are other players that are other and all other side that's like if Ben Simmons doesn't have a triple double, it wasn't worth having him out there tonight. Um, so I think that that's where it all comes from. I have always been firmly in the camp of I don't care if Ben Simmons, you know, scores ten points or scores. Two points if he does those other things like rebound and 
get assists, he's probably helped the team win. Um, and I would really have been interested to see what the conversation would have been had they lost. I think he would have taken an unfair amount of the blame. Um, but I'm glad that we're not having that conversation. I'm glad they won. Jason, get in here. What 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 is what are your thoughts on on Simmons uh, game one? Let's keep it with uh, with Simmons. Yeah. So, all right. I'll try not to go at the mindset of the fans where it has to be this like two camps that are uh, in a religious war because I think it's really. <laughs> um, I. Uh, I think there's there's a couple of things that can be true at the same time, right? Uh, but I would ask the three of you, let's go really quickly around, and I'm going to say, I'm going to ask a question, you're going to give me a number. Ben Simmons is a top X player in the NBA. Sarah first. Oh, me first? Yes. Oh, that's fun. Um, hmm. Hmm. I'm going to say he is a... Um, uh, a, a top 20 player in the NBA? Top 20. Gene. Top 10. Okay, Dave. Uh, I would I would go 20. I might lean maybe more towards 25. Okay. All right. So now um, Ben Simmons is uh, not a high school player. He's a, he is a grown adult at this point. He may have just turned 25 years old. Uh, I, th I think that we are both um, a, a market that tends to uh, ha look for polarizing players. And um, I think we do a disservice to Ben Simmons by infantilizing him, by saying that it doesn't matter that he went over six from the line. It doesn't matter that he passed up uh, a couple of shots that to me were just an aggressive player that was trying to break the will of an opponent would have flat out taken those those uh, those shots at the rim. Forget the jump shots. Washington is not a disciplined defensive basketball team, and yet Ben Simmons, I'm going to give two two examples, had a baseline uh, drive that was a flat out rise up dunk. Uh, on your opponent, get to the line, and one opportunity to hype the crowd up, put it on somebody's head, uh, and he chose to dump it off to Dwight Howard, and uh, and Dwight Howard bobbled the ball. I think Dwight may have finished that, may may not have finished it, but um, but the the fact is that uh, a top twenty player in the league would have absolutely flushed that on someone's head. Um, another one where he had an open lane where he, where the defense didn't rotate properly. The lane was open. Uh, it was in the second half and he passed out of that. People are going to look at the 15 rebounds, but he's put in a position to, uh, to roam on defense. He's going to get a lot of offensive and defensive rebounds by the nature of the way that they play him. Uh, they're going to point to the assists, but he passed up a lot of shots that, that a more aggressive offensive star would have taken. Um, can, can I jump so, in there real quick? Sure. Just because we, we talked about not wanting to infantilize him, but you know, 
saying he's a grown man, he's 25. Are, are we looking for him to be a player that he isn't? I mean, is his game going to evolve over the next two or three years? Or is oh. Ben Simmons Ben Simmons and he's more inclined to be the facilitator than the than the guy to, to put it in the, the net himself? Sure, but he's not Chris Paul. And what happens is against an undisciplined defense that really doesn't know how to wall him off and jump his passing lanes – uh, where he becomes predictable and he leads to turnovers that become two points on the other end. Uh, he can he can look great by just passing up on shots and throwing the ball around and, and guys knocking down shots. But as you get into the elite teams where they really will game plan, and that was just game one, by the way, um, as you really get into the elite teams, uh, they are able to – play off of what his predictability and i think he's more predictable than than he should be at this at this stage i'm not saying ben simmons should be jacking up threes i'm not saying he should be taking um pull up jump shots uh i think he should be working on those things it's not there yet i'm i'm in the arena with him i know it's not there yet um but this narrative that we should not hold him to a standard uh, that virtually any other top 20 player in the league is held to is, uh, to me, it's silly. You know, it's it's almost like, uh, you know, you're put, we're, we're putting him in the Rudy Gobert tier where look at all the great things that Rudy Gobert does for a team. Yeah, he's only going to score 12 points a game. But look at all this great stuff he does on defense, right? He helps the he helps anchor the defense. The problem is with a guy like that, there's a point in the playoffs, and, and Giannis suffers to this to a certain extent as well, where a team can just attack the thing that that guy can't do, exploit that, and bounce you. So it is important, and it's not – it's not saying that he's trash or that he is not an NBA player, not even an NBA all-star. It is like, stop laying down on the railroad tracks for a guy that really does have a flaw. It's real. It's not, not real. Um, and I think people did it with Carson Wentz as well. Um, and I don't. I guess that sports radio doesn't good to do a good job at this, right? They force you to to choose between he's garbage, get him out of here, and uh, he's amazing. Y'all don't know basketball. No, basketball players in the NBA. Trust me, they know. I can. Uh, when there was no fans in the stands, you could hear the players talking from the bench. They know. They know. You don't think they're they're in his ear on the offensive end? You don't think they talk to each other about this stuff? It's just silly for me to, to watch, you know, it, r random Twitter people, uh, you know, tying themselves to the railroad tracks for a guy that, um, that, that, that really just, you know, flat out went over six. And, and some of those free throws were in, in key moments and they won anyway because Embiid knocked down three jumpers, face-up jumpers, 
And you don't want to rely on face-up jumpers in the last two minutes. That's not the shot that you want. But he knocked them down, and 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 they took that game. Uh, I think there's space between these two arguments, and uh, I just I. How much? Guy, how much? Doc, Doc Rivers, by the way, of course, Doc Rivers is going going to only say nice things in public because if they get bounced in the second round or the third round. He doesn't want to diminish his trade value. So I, I just – I don't think it's a – it's all very obvious what he does well. It's, so it's answer can, – can you answer your own question? Ben Simmons is a top what player in, in the NBA? Uh, I would say he's a I, – I would say you guys had it right. I think he's a top 20 to 25 player in the NBA. And I think he, like Giannis <laughs> – in the, in, the regular, in the regular season, he's higher on that list. He leads yeah. to regular season wins through his consistent night after night lockdown defense and his consistent good decision-making. Uh, but, however, like Giannis, I think he's got a flaw in his game that the elite teams can exploit to the detriment of this team's ultimate aspirations it doesn't mean they won't ultimately get all the way but it's if i'm an opposing coach uh i'm i'm working on how to exploit those weaknesses it's like but he does help you more than he hurts you yes his his win-loss record in the regular season is very clear he obviously helps you more than he hurts you and so does Giannis. Right, but it doesn't mean that Giannis and his flaws haven't been a big reason why they have not made the NBA Finals. So, it, how much are we basing off of one game, or is this his, you know, entire playoff resume? Has he been, you know, in in your eyes, um, deficient? You know, not not really bringing his regular season value into the playoffs, has that been a constant thing? Or is this just something that we're looking at the first game and going, if this continues, it's going to be bad? Uh, I mean, I think it's been consistent. He was I mean, we have the same conversation basically, you know, every every year come, come around this time and, you know, several times throughout the regular season too. But as we talked about, he's a man, he's fully developed at this point. Like, is this something that will ever change? Does this leopard ever change at spots or are the Sixers hands tied with either, you know, a flawed superstar or the decision to move on from him? Yeah. And I, and I, I wouldn't say they should move on. I was thinking earlier about how, how different he and Embiid are in their skill sets and how normally the narrative has been, uh, can they play together? But in, in some ways, they really fill in the gaps of what each other uh, don't do well. And as they mature fully into their primes, maybe that's enough. Like, like I said, last two minutes, uh, Ben misses four, four free throws down the stretch, maybe the last four minutes. But Joel Embiid, with those, with those face-up jumpers, uh, erases that, and then all of the good things that that Ben was able to do throughout the course of the game, when when Joel was in 
foul trouble, not on the floor, they balance each other out. So, you know, as they mature and as they incrementally uh, improve, it might just it might just be fine because they are complementary in some ways. But uh, I just I, I you know my entire rant here is about this. I just watched a, a Twitter stream of dunking on this phantom person that was criticizing uh, Ben, and I, I just do think there's there's valid cr- critique to be had. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. There is room between. All right, look, man, you gotta you gotta knock down some of these free throws at least at a fifty percent clip um, coming down the stretch. Like you got to do better. There, there's, there's room between that and you'll never win a, you'll never win a chip with this guy. Um, He's got to shoot threes. He's, you know, he, you just can't function with a, with a player like that on the court, right? And I, I feel like I don't really hear the, I don't really hear that argument all that much from just people I interact with. I I feel like this is like generated by Philadelphia media that there's like this population that hates Ben Simmons with a, you know, a a passion that could fuel a thousand sons or something. And I I don't know. Is it, is it real? I, the sports radio guys aren't at the games. So I don't know, like watching on TV is a different experience than watching the games. But they also they also aren't in the locker rooms. They also aren't talking to the opposing players. They also aren't watching the opposing bench. There's a lot of things that you pick up on both sides. Um, yeah, and and I mean, with it's a lot. It's this is much more nuanced than uh, a Twitter poll or a Twitter rant. And I see Austin Krell in the uh, in the comments. And Austin is one of those, one of those guys. Hey, Austin, you know I love you, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you out here because I saw one of your, uh, one of your prostrating defenses, uh, and I didn't know there was a attack really, honestly, until you did a prostrating defense of Ben's game. I didn't know there was an attack on Ben's game. I will tell you that Austin, in the media section, watched a couple of his, his decisions. And uh, we were shaking our head, and it wasn't it wasn't his missed free throws. It was some of the other decisions um, where it just showed a lack of aggression where he could have he could have really put uh, his stamp on the other team. But let, let's talk about a, a bit of nuance then. If you know sports radio, it's it's easy. They don't do nuance because I, I guess it's hard to pop in and pop out. Um, you know, here we're getting a, a, something that's uh, a good bit of nuance from a uh, person from the YouTube channel that I can't pronounce your name, Ekladj. Sorry. Um, but the expectation is that certain fan bases believe number one pick max contract player should not be a facilitator. You know, that's that's a, a good point to be debated. Um, and so often... Sports radio just doesn't have time for that. A guy's either uh, a bust or he's a Hall of Famer. You know, it's somebody, you know, someone can't, you know, play the game casually. They're indifferent, you know, or 
or they play with you know blind passion. There's no there's no room for a workman like player when they're when they're a number one. Well, you it's know, also frustrating star. because you're sort of a product of your environment with that. It's like, who did you want them to take? Brandon Ingram. Yeah. And then, like, what did you want to do? Ben's going to walk and sign a max contract with someone else. So, I mean. Yeah, it's also, it's like the, it's well, the uh, sunk cost theory, too. Well, you picked them at number one. Would he have been better for a number two pick? Or would that be more reflective of his true value? No. Uh, maybe. Oh, no. Okay. Then, yeah, no, I, I just don't think that's the right conversation. I think let's just dive into as a facilitator, we are going to look at raw assist stats. But as a facilitator against an elite defense, um, can he run a pick and roll? Can you go under on a pick and roll when he runs it? Yes, you can go under on a pick and roll. And, and the Chris Pauls of the world and the James Hardens of the world – are so deadly because you you have to pick your poison when they get into certain actions. And there is no good choice. The only good choice is to switch up your coverages every time so that they can't get used to uh, what you're going to do against them. But with Ben Simmons, very clearly he's not a pick and roll player because every time you can go under, you don't have to switch, which means you he can't work a, a mismatch if you want to have a Raul uh, Raul Neto on the floor Ben Simmons can't work a mismatch in the pick and roll uh, that you have to switch against because uh, you, you can't go under uh, so that he can iso uh, Raul Neto take him down low and, and and score in the post there's two reasons that doesn't work it should work he's 6'10". But it doesn't work for two reasons. One, he can't shoot. So you go under and you don't have to switch. And two, even if he gets Howell Neto in the post, he is not an elite scorer. His points per, per shot, flat out, the analytics say he's not a, a that is not a good shot, right? So you are the opposing defense is going to give up that 0. 0.8, 0. 0.7 points per shot having Ben Simmons take a, uh, you know, a mildly contested post shot. So those are the things that uh, just getting into the nuts and bolts of how a team will defend him, that he can't, he can't exploit that a James Harden and a Kevin Durant and uh, even a Kyrie Irving can do everything I just said. Right. And I'm not a huge Kyrie Irving fan. Uh, a Ben, uh, a Joel Embiid will force you to pick your poison. Do you want to uh, trap him? Do you want to double before he cat uh, before the catch? Do you want to double from weird angles? Um, but if he faces up, he can make you pay for your decisions. You're going to get some some turnovers. The elite elite players will force you to pick your poison and then make you pay for that choice. And he's not at that level where he forces you to, uh, to live with your choices. It's just reality. So, you know, we can, we can talk. Uh, there's been a, a, an amazing level of really, really good NBA players um, that, can do so many things like he does, but 
the list of those Kobe and Shaq type players, those uh, Dwayne Wade and LeBron James type players, those name your name your 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 big two, right? All of those players had ways to force you to pick your poison and make you pay for that choice. Uh, and then you drop down to the next tier and you have the Sean Kemp and um, the glove, right? Gary Payton, great players, but not winning championships because they, they just, there were ways to deal with them. And uh, that's, that's where I think the nuance comes in. We should, we should be real clear eyed that just because you had a, a game where you took advantage in some ways of a of a Wizards team um, doesn't mean you are unstoppable and you're going to blast through all the way to the NBA championship. Well, let's talk about blasting all our way through the NBA championship. What what um, which team would you rather face, the Knicks or the Hawks in the uh, in round two? Oh, I don't think it matters at all. <laughs> okay, so we're blasting our way to the, well, to I mean, the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, <laughs> I think they're blasting their way to the Eastern Conference Finals. But yeah. uh, and I this is really all, all this is all just b- basically prelude to a Sixers Nets matchup that is just gonna have us absolutely banging our heads against the wall. Yeah, because I, I I mean the Nets can uh the Nets are going to do everything that I just said, right? Sure. All of this pick your poison stuff, they're going to do it all to you. And you're going to watch when it happens. And you're going to realize that that the Sixers can't do that a, a, as many different ways for 48 minutes. I think um, the Knicks uh, – I think Trey Young is a problem for the, for the Sixers historically – I just think, think Trey Young is a problem for everybody historically. Yeah. I mean, he's just he just does things that other players just don't don't yeah. do. He's just he's just a very very good guard. Yeah, I think they they probably handle the Knicks a little easier. The games might be uglier with the Knicks, but I think it's probably um, a, a, I mean that might even be a sweep. Uh, I think Trey Young has more uh, you know lightning in a bottle potential against them in round two. Um, and I've seen, what's his, what's his, Herter um, light us up on more than one occasion mm-hmm. as well. That that gets so annoying to me, teams like that. I would rather, I would have a lot more fun watching them play the Knicks, I think. Yeah, yeah. Here's my question, and watching over the last couple of incarnations of the Sixers playoff teams, how do you rank the, the sort of supporting cast around – let's say Joel and Ben and even maybe Tobias. I mean, we, we watched how far they went with the, uh, with the Jimmy Butler experience. You know, a lot of people say that that, that was maximized. They went as far as they were ever going to go with that, even though they were really one, you know, still a series away from even the NBA finals, but you know, you know, are we better than the, the JJ Redick supporting cast? Are we better than, you know, is is this really the way that Daryl Morey could sort of put this team together? Is this the best version of uh, of a ten man nine man rotation that you can put around Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons to have the best chance to at least get yourself out of the East, 
and get into an NBA Finals, and then sort of it becomes a crapshoot. Yeah, I mean, so far, I think this is the best team they've had. I don't think they're a finished product as far as implementing what Daryl Morey's ultimate vision is. Um, I think their trade deadline uh, sort of indicates that they didn't fully go all in, but I do think this is the best uh, iteration of the, um, the Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons era. I, I like the way that it fits together. It, it makes sense to me. They can shut off a lot of valves on the other team defensively. They can space the floor pretty well. They um, they play fantastic defense. I, I mean, I know I know I was just tough on Ben for a half an hour, but like Ben's ability to um, to late in the game just go step up and take away the other team's best player. It doesn't matter really what position that player is uh, is or how big they are or how fast they are. He can just sort of, oh, you're feeling really good. Are you really, uh, are you feeling hot? <laughs> are you feeling good? Oh, good. Oh, uh, that's nice. Nice, nice. Good for you. And just shut that valve off. Like that's- Bradley Beal pretty much said as much, you know, he's like, he's like Ben Simmons is 6'10". And he moves like a guy half that size. What what yeah. what am I going to do? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's Simmons almost, was on Beal for right. half of his half yeah. of his possessions, and Beal went what one for six? Yeah, it's it's in almost those possessions. Possible. Let yeah. him let him feel himself. Let the whole team sort of say, "Okay, Bradley's going to carry us." And then Ben steps out with four minutes left. He's like, mm, "No, take it." So take in it a Nets series, you won't see Ben on Durant all the time. That's the thing about the net series that's so problematic is those other two don't care. You want to, <laughs> you want to, oh, okay. We got, uh, we got, we got Durant working and Ben, you want to come out and turn that valve off? There's two other guys who are just like sitting here waiting to get their shots. Like, you know, they only got 12 shots so far. They're they're waiting for that fourth quarter. That's the problem with the that the Nets really um present. Is, is there anything the Sixers can do in the next two series to to adjust their game to the Nets or is it just hey, Sixers going to roll the first two series? And by the time we see the Nets, well, hey, it was a fun season. Like is there anything Anything that either gives you hope or no, this is not say, a foregone conclusion. I refuse yeah. to accept that. No, I mean Joel Embiid is Godzilla. Yeah, so you have Godzilla on your team. The uh, and, and we established how great Ben is defensively. Maybe he doesn't have that killer instinct offensively, but he's a great asset defensively. What can they? Yeah, here you go. How can they put it together to to get there? Yeah. Uh, I think the transition D is actually less of a concern in that series because I think the Nets just want to they want to walk down and play to half court and ISO you and uh, and just make every shot. Um, uh, yeah, no, they can definitely get better, and I think they can get more confident. And they can believe in each other, and they can solidify some roles and some confidence. I think they've got a couple of. Uh, players on the bench right now that are uh, not in their sweet spot yet. 
Um, so I think they can definitely get better over these next two series. Um, and, the, and the Nets are going to have a tough matchup against the Bucks. So I know we're, we're, we're speaking very specific right now, but I mean, just, just talking about the Nets really kind of gets my ire up. Are, are the Nets like emblematic of a problem that the NBA really kind of has on its hands here? Like this team's bullshit, right? Like they did no work. <laughs> they, they did no work to get where they are. They just have they're they're in a sexy city, and these guys decided they all wanted to go there at the same time. And that to me is just as bullshit as a tank job. Or, you know, what look, if people don't want to come to your cool ass city or whatever, you have to use what you have to try to get star players in your town or else you can't compete. So, you know, Oklahoma city, good luck, Charlotte, good luck. You know, I mean, what, what is like, how is the NBA going to fix something like this? Or do they, I guess they don't really care. I, I think the bigger problem actually is the buyout market because the gamble that they made when they just pushed literally every useful player outside of, uh, Durant and Kyrie into the Harden deal, and they were like, F it, we just won't have a bench. But the buyout market, we can offer mm. New York City and plenty of minutes for Blake Griffin. Uh, for you know, they're, they're collecting guys that don't have to play a lot of minutes that, that may have had health issues, and then uh, now you have. Blake Griffin, just like randomly on your team for free at no cost of acquisition. Um, I think that the LA teams benefit from this. Um, and uh, that buyout market is a workaround that the Nets took a big gamble and it worked out for them. Um and that is, I think, a bigger factor than than um, just the big markets attract the stars. I think that's a that's definitely a thing. Um, but you know, just just being able to sign these guys. The Sixers, one thing they didn't do when they didn't do a consolidation trade at the trade deadline, they just didn't have the minutes and the role to offer the buyout candidates to really add much to their team. And they whiffed on a bunch of centers that they, I think they were counting on being able to add to this team. And for all intents and purposes, they have two centers on this team, you know? And mm -hmm. if, uh, if Dwight Howard goes on tilt, um, <laughs> which he does, which he, which he does, but, uh, and Joel Embiid gets called for three phantom fouls in the, in the first quarter, which were bullshit. Um, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's precarious, but that was the that was the gamble that Maury took um, that didn't pan out because they're pretty deep. They have 10, 10 guys that you know they're they're in that like ten or eleven guys that do they get do they get minutes in a playoff series or not? Uh, so they didn't have that obvious role that that the nets had i just feel like i feel like a a, a, a 
three Red Sox fan or something, just like this Yankee team's bullshit. Like sign another pitcher, you know, I don't need to sign Roger close, just sign the whole universe, <laughs> you know, whatever. And hopefully, you know, we have some sort of, um, yeah. I don't know, justice prevails moment either this year or, or, or next year. When I, and I, I actually think that while this is a great punch, we're going to punch this year. Um, next year may be even a better punch. Oh yeah. Oh, the, this team is trending up. Yeah. Yeah. One yeah, thing I mean, before we get we get if we I don't know we're we're trending away from the Sixers but uh, we have we're really not touched, yeah, <laughs> we have really not touched on talking about Tobias Harris what were what was the you takeaway? and your Tobias Harris love we can talk about Tobias Harris but <laughs> but you have been banging that drum before he was even a Sixer just <laughs> well I, I I just you know and and I think that. Of all of the the good things that happened in the offseason, bringing Doc in, if only to fix Tobias Harris, whatever was illing of his game prior to now. I mean, he is he has found um, the re, you know he has found the player that he was that we 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 brought in. So, um, what is his sort of X factor in this whole situation? It, you know, is he that guy that? When when the other teams are trying to sh shut off Joel Embiid and 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 whatever other things are going on offensively, is he, is it fundamentally important for him to be able to hit his open shots and make those quick decisions? I feel like he is at his best when he is shooting quickly. Um, that is when he is the most valuable. Um, what what are your what are your takeaways on Joel uh, on uh, on Tobias Harris? I I just think he's a he is exactly the the type of player that benefits from the um the really good decision making uh elite timing that uh Ben Simmons has as a facilitator and the sheer gravity that Joel Embiid has so um I defy you to go back through those Tobias Harris uh 35 points and find me a spe spectacular play so what he did was he exploited every uh, decision and crevice that the Wizards uh, had in that in that really Swiss cheese defense, and he went and he made just like a ton of very routine plays for thirty five points, and uh, you know he is a professional. He is an he is an extremely unspectacular professional basketball player. And uh, he is just perfectly suited to be that third guy on this team because of just the, the, the immense talents that the other two have. He is the beneficiary of it. And, um, you know, it, I, I, the, the only fear you have is does he – can he play hero ball in the last two minutes of a game where, you know, every, every other door is shut. He's got to take his man. He doesn't have a mismatch and he's got to go get you that really tough contested bucket. And uh, that I'm not sure he, again, we're talking about levels, right. And, and expectations. I don't think we should expect him to just, carry uh, a team through um, just, you know, scoring over Kevin Durant with, you know, 
five seconds left on the clock in, in an ISO situation. Um, but he just is an immensely unspectacular professional. <laughs> and you need them. Amazingly unspectacular. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I said it the other Best night. player to never be an all-star, right? He's, 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 he's just a... He, he just makes he exploits every every hole and every weakness and he and if you put a six three guy on him he's just gonna take him down to about eight feet and score on him you know it, it's just he does all those very very routine uh, basic things that a basketball player does at a high level um, but he's just not I I. If if he comes out and he plays straight up hero ball against a, a Giannis or a uh, or a Kevin Durant in a in a you know game winning situation, I'll be surprised about it. Okay, I want to I want to save uh, fifteen minutes for you to go on a uh, Dennis Leary like rant on the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, but one last question: um, What? <laughs> which one of the first round series do you find to be the most intriguing? If you could only watch one series, which one, which one would you watch? God, it's going to seem cheap and easy to say it. Right. Uh, but the Suns, Toronto, Montreal. <laughs> oh no, sorry. Different sport. Go on. Go on. <laughs> Let me brush up on my Francais. Uh, um, the commuter series. Uh, that I'm not allowed to go into the country for. Um, <laughs> I think Phoenix and, and the Lakers, because I just think Chris Paul is, uh, hopefully he's healthy, but I think he is. Um, Chris Paul has just been a, an absolute um, master of the game of basketball. And uh, given a seven-foot-one center, who is developing into uh, a really, really interesting uh, piece, but a huge body, uh, and Devin Booker's ability to just hit daggers and get hot. With you put a basketball genius with a couple of pieces like that, and they're they're super interesting. And then you have the greatest player of all time, the smartest player to ever be involved in the game of basketball. Uh, forget player. The smartest person, as far as I'm concerned, ever to be involved in this sport. Um, on the other side, uh, and uh, I just find it to be fascinating. So, but there is something really fun about watching the Jazz lose. <laughs> I I don't find the Jazz worth uh, taking <laughs> time personally. There's nothing about them that I find worthy of two hours of my day. Okay, fair enough. Maybe on mute, but they play it like past my bedtime. So. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm definitely not going to watch the replay. And they play after I'm trying to settle in and, and read a book. No, right, the Jazz. Uh, if the Jazz make it to the finals, like I barely watched the Jazz Bulls finals in the '90s, like. It's, to, I, I have to watch the jazz. I'm forced to watch the jazz twice a year. That's enough. is that why you wouldn't pick Gobert for your all star team because uh, you didn't play with the jazz on uh the NBA Jam or whatever it was when you were a kid? <laughs> who, who, wait, no, are you talking about uh Carl Malone? 
Yeah, well, well, that's what LeBron said. Why Gobert went last is because they no one played as the Jazz on uh, the uh, Jordan versus the the Bird or whatever on the Genesis. I, I, if I was drafting a real team, like if we were doing a snake draft to to like redraft the NBA, he'd be pretty high on the list because I, I really value that skill set, uh, for for a team to win. But uh, am I gonna get like juiced up to watch Rudy Gobert play basketball? No, I will not. Uh, I find DeAndre Aiden a much more intriguing basketball player because I think that he can, he can, oh, yeah. uh, if he if he develops the instincts to protect the rim at at just competent for his size, I think he can do way more things to be a much inter- more interesting player. At, at any point uh, during the the weekend, Dave, did you think that there was a real chance that the Heat was going to turn the tables on Milwaukee? Milwaukee's up two games to none right now, I think. Um, so I'm feeling like the the Heat experience, or the you know, it was a very sexy thing to going into the playoffs to be like, yeah, the Heat Heat are going to make a deep no, run. I, I think heat you are need the Bucks in the first round. Um, but I mean, did you did you really feel? Did you feel the Heat? No, I didn't feel like he, I, I, you, <laughs> you want the long, to win because you want them to torture the Nets as much as possible. I, I, you know, I don't think to me, I think the Bucks are a bigger fight for the Nets than the Heat would be. But you know, no, I didn't. I don't. I didn't feel the Heat. <laughs> Although there is a big debate in this household about their uniforms, but you know, that's neither here. Nor there. <laughs> um, Wait, is this the Miami like Vice uniforms? Those yeah, like the, nice. the pink like fade to blue. Yeah, those are yeah. nice. I yeah. love them. Yeah, what's not to like? Woo! Is this a debate oh, between yourself and your kids, or you and your wife? I'm gonna get what? Well, uh, no, I'm gonna have to get my wife on this stream to to say her piece right, about about those uniforms. But hey, I like the New Marlins uniforms too. Oh, perfect love transition! <laughs> perfect transition. Uh, Phillies today. Actually beat the Marlins. Hector Neris with a one-two-three ninth inning, where uh, Alec Bohm actually made a pretty, pretty nice play. As we uh, actually, Lakers and Suns are tipping off right now. It's very, uh, very exciting. But the uh, the Phillies won today. They stay one game behind the the Mets. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb. Oh, I haven't looked it. at the standings. I haven't watched the game in in over a week. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Phillies are playing 500 baseball. Yeah, they're twenty four and twenty five. <laughs> they have a chance tomorrow to to go a perfect twenty five and twenty five in the first fifty games, all right. which is not like too far off of I think all of our expectations when we say you know April, May, and even June that they'll be hovering around five hundred, and most of the teams in the National League East will be in that neighborhood. It's going to be annoyingly close for most of the summer though. I think it's a war of attrition right now too, because every team mm. just has a packed IL uh, filled with really big name players. So, you know, I don't expect anyone to start running away with this division. It's just the Phillies just constantly keep leaving games on the table. Yeah, they do. Um, it's, it's, it's an, Oddly frustrating season because there's so much little blame to go around. You know, in, in years past, it's been really clear that 
you know, our problem is X and the bullpen has looked, you know, hasn't been good, but they've been better than they have in years past. They haven't been the sole reason the the Phillies are are losing games. I think the um, problem our third team is that they have a bat and they can't hit the ball with it <laughs> often. They, they, miss. Going, they keep missing. They're going for a swing plane and uh and they're yeah. I think pitching is too good in the, in in modern baseball. It's become too precise. It's too good. You can play a shift without repercussions. You have to. Uh, I I watch it, and the pitching is just amazing, consistently amazing, and uh, it doesn't allow for slap hitters. I I wonder how Ichiro would would do in um, in twenty twenty one baseball. You know, the the they just put the bat on the ball and hit it where they ain't. Uh, is easy for old heads to say, but then you watch the ball placement, and uh, boy, these guys don't make a lot of mistakes. Well, I don't, did, I don't, I don't know if you saw the article by Ken Rosenthal on the Athletic about uh, pitchers um, with foreign substances on the ball, and it's uh, it's like a wildly rampant thing, like as rampant as steroids were. Uh, you know, every pitcher's doing it. No one wants to call out a pitcher for doing it because their pitchers are also doing it. Um, Duvall that's said, fixable. "That's fixable, right?" Instead of like all this nonsense, move the mound back. Don't let the shift be legal. Uh, you know, all this stuff. Just stop the pitchers from cheating. <laughs> if that, if it's if it's a thing, but I mean, um, Real Muto's quoted in the article Duvall's quoted in the article Duvall says he picks the ball in the outfield and it's got like sticky stuff all over it I to me I think it's something you got to do you got to crack down on it somehow if, and, if I mean if, you, if you're watching if you're watching baseball every night you're seeing how many of these games how many of these guys are going deep into games with no hitters um you're seeing a guy like Vince Velasquez suddenly be able to be a serviceable starter after we've watched for years him be inconsistent at best um you know you're seeing you're seeing like a true this is going beyond it's just the hitters are ahead, or the pitchers are ahead of the hitters early in the season like we are now 50 games in this is truly a trend of you know defense and pitching is dominating offense and the problem is when you talk to to people who want to fix baseball um they constantly talk about trying to inject more offense into the game. Remember, offense is also going to add time to the game. You cannot have an offensive baseball game that is an hour and a half. You know what I mean? It takes it takes time to score runs. So it's a very paradoxical sort of argument to want to add offense to the to baseball, but also speed the game up to, to make it more entertaining. Um, I have always preferred pitching – to uh, offense, I, I, you know, give me a one nothing pitcher's duel any day. That's always been my favorite kind of game. But um, to Dave's point, I want yeah, it. It takes two hours and fifteen level. minutes. That's that's why yeah, I like. Yeah, I want it. I want it to be on the level. So yeah, but it, but but when when those pitchers duels become the norm and not the rare special occasion. Um, they lose the magic and the magic really is in the, the magic of baseball is really in the suspense 
the suspense of every pitch, the suspense of a 3-2 count, the suspense of, you know, uh, a runner on second base with, uh, with one out or with no outs, right? The, the, <clears throat> the jam. Uh, pitchers pitching out of a jam, the uh, all of the little moments, and when you know strikeout after strikeout and home run after home run become uh, the game, then those things that make the game special as exclamation points um, lose their value. Go go write a five hundred word article using only uh, ex- exclamation points and question marks. Like it's, it's like, those are punctuations. Those aren't uh, the meat and, and the meat of baseball really needs to be in the situations. And when you have too many home runs and you have too many uh, strikeouts, your, your situations tend to erode and you have less special nuanced moments, right? A lot of it is like, you know, you got uh, you got runners on second and third, and you got you got one out. And what do you do? And there's all of these special rules, and the more of them you know, the more interesting the game becomes. You know, who's the guy in the lineup? Do we intentionally walk to get to the next guy? There's only one out. You know, is that next guy capable of hitting a? A sack fly? Are you willing to take the chance? Like all of that stuff uh, tends to erode when you just have home runs and strikeouts. I hear you because I remember growing up there when, the, when there was a runner on second. Everyone, all anyone would talk about was like, "Oh, it's important to hit a ball to the right side. Make sure you get that runner over to third with less than two outs." And now it's just okay. Well, we just got three shots to hit a two-run home run. Exactly. Right. I hear you. I mean, yeah. look, I, I love it too. I, I want it to happen. I, I just want to like if there's a way to return the game to the way it was without altering the game, I'm I'm all for it. I, I think. It, and if I, honestly, like this, I read this article and it felt like it, it, it came out of the sky and landed on my lap because I had not heard anything about this. I didn't hear any rumblings about this. And, you know, I'm, I'm reading all this stuff about pitchers with uh, foreign substances. All, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's a bit late in the show for how do we fix baseball. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I can talk but, all day about baseball. You think I want to talk about basketball? I don't. Uh, basketball but, is a very simple game. Baseball, I could really dive into. <laughs> but But – I, and I mean, we certainly can. The shoemakers' children's now they never get the shoes, you know. <laughs> but it's, I did find that uh, athletic article very interesting as well because, like you said, Dave, I didn't hear it, and then it's twenty twenty one. Like there, there should be an app on the umpire's phone that they can pull out and just like go, yeah, foreign substance, like like a blue, you know, a black light, something, you know. There we have the technology, and I'm not. This isn't automating the like strike. Like MTV's I'm, Room Raiders, we're going out and checking the ball. Put the black light on. Yeah, sure, but I mean, like the fact that it's like, all right, you have to have a clean cap. Like, like only pitchers. You know, we can have as many John Crux in the lineup as we like, but oh, the pitchers have to have a clean ball cap. All straight bills when you go out there. Sure, it just seems like. In this day and age, you know, foreign substances on the ball should be an easy fix. 
you know, people are going to try to get it in with Vaseline, whatever, but the ump can go after every pitch. Hey, let me see that ball. Do a quick once over, break out the ball scanner 2000 app, whatever. And if it is a problem, it, it should be one that we can resolve at this point. And I don't think it robs the game of human error. I don't think it robs the game of that that baseball is this old-fashioned sport that hasn't changed since the 1800s, even though it has. It's like, I, uh, it's like Major League. It's like Bardall, Vagisil, and if you <laughs> watching me real close, I'll a little jalapeno in my nose. <laughs> Get it running real good. Can I, can I say one thing while we're talking about cheating in baseball? Um, if you don't have Barry Bonds and Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame, you don't have a Hall of Fame. That's just <laughs> you don't have a Hall of Fame without those two guys. Uh, Joe West is going to be in the Hall of Fame, so fuck it, why not? But, <laughs> but you, you got Pete have, Rose in there you don't too. Have man. To endorse them as uh, model citizens, but you don't have a game. You don't have a Hall of Fame. But then you got Pete Rose in, right? in there. No, I'm saying Barry Bonds and Pete Rose. Okay, all right. Yeah. Otherwise, you don't have a Hall of Fame. Well. On that controversial note, <laughs> Jason, anything you need to plug tonight? No. No, no thanks, plugs. Okay. Thanks to everyone who hung out. Uh, I love the work you guys do, so I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. We always love it, uh, when you come on and talk baseball with us. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, let's, um, yeah, let's go all the way in. <laughs> But that is all the time we have for it today. We'll be back next Tuesday, uh, you know, talking more Sixers. Uh, we'll be ready to start previewing round two, hopefully. Um, you know, more Philly stuff. And we'll be, you know, probably previewing some Eagles stuff coming up too, believe it or not. It's kind of getting to be that time of year. So if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Also check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Potadelphia. If you have any more time in your podcast listening day, be sure to check out the Whip Around for all the week's weird news. Um, and be sure, be sure, be sure to check out the Painted Lines for your wall-to-wall sports coverage, entertainment coverage. You want to hear about cartoons or movies or anything it's all it's like all packed in there it's just all awesome stuff uh but you know philly sports got you covered um so until next week have a great day at work everybody we are out of here